the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All-Access. All right, let's go, Texans fans. Let's do this. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Let's have some fun tonight as the Texans practice again. They've had four padded practices in a row with the day off on Sunday, but that's four straight sessions of pads. We'll see what happens Thursday. They're off tomorrow. We'll be on 8 to 10 a.m. with plenty of stuff, including a conversation with Anthony Weaver. And, Johnny, I talked to uh, Tim Kelly also today, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I know you did. I was sitting right in the back. I was like watching oh. him. Uh, I was like watching him, like interview. Interview. Most of the time, I'm with you, and we're interviewing him. I was with him as you were interviewing him today. Yeah, I was sitting right in back of the back of the media workroom. I mean, that's just so bizarre because we're in different so tiers. Weird. For those who don't know, Johnny's in tier two, and I'm I'm out of the tiers. I'm in tier three OA. I'm not going to get into what all that means, but <laughs> it means that Johnny's way on the inside. We only have limited spots, so we figured Johnny needs to be able to see everything, and he can relay it to us. Uh, as opposed to me, I'd be like, yeah, everything looked great, you know, and then you'd be asking me <laughs> questions like, well, uh, tell me about the play on the D-line. Uh, yeah, those guys, they, uh, you know, they they lined up, and uh, yeah, yeah, the ball was snapped and things happened. Yeah, that was good. Uh, it's much <laughs> better much if you're the that. guy. Well, I could give you a little bit. I could. Well, you know, I was I was actually texting you some of my observations yeah. during practice. Yeah, let's go through, that? Yeah, let's go go through, through that? that at some point? Um, because I – you hit me with uh, you hit me with two of them in particular that I was like, hmm, Mark's on this. Okay, all right. Well, let's. Go I don't want to go through I'll... one of them. I don't want to go through one of them. But the one you mentioned about, <laughs> you sent me this, and you just said, Huggy appears to be doing some things. And by Huggy, you meant I meant Albert mean? Huggins. Albert Huggins. Yeah, Albert yeah, Huggins. Huggy Bear. Yeah. Who had been here in? I'm trying. To, okay, I'm trying to do the math. I think he was here in. 18 or was he here last year my years get all mixed up but he was here in training camp made a pretty good impression but at the very end uh of camp he was he was waived but he came back on practice squad then i think he ended up on somebody else's practice squad well then he was waived just prior to training camp or right at the beginning of training camp at the end of july and he came back here to the texans and i thought man i i've always liked albert huggins he was sort of under the radar at Clemson, never really the guy, but always consistent and always played pretty well. And, man, today he was doing some things. I reached out, I feel my pocket vibrate, and I'm like, what the heck? I was like, oh, it's Mark. Okay, what does he want? And he's like, Huggy appears to be doing some things. I'm like, that's pretty good, Mark. You yep. don't need me down here. You picked that up. You got that perfectly. It's exactly what I was thinking. He was one of the guys that was – we talked about practice. He was going to be one of the guys I wanted to talk about because he's done a really nice job today in particular. Well, I think that one of the things you notice, and, and even, look, I'm not exactly you, okay? I'm not Greg Cosell, and I'm not Mike Mayock. I'm certainly not the GM of a team. But I can spot the juice, right? I yeah. can spot the guys who bring the energy. And he was bringing the energy today. Yeah. And when a big guy like that brings the energy, it's hard not to notice, you know, that he's got that that oomph, especially in that heat, Johnny. That yeah. was a brutal practice. That was the first hot one of the year. Now, they've been outside before, 
with nobody around, meaning no media around, yeah. but not with pads. So right. today was a very physical practice, goal line stuff, live pads, nasty, hot, not a lot of wind. It was nasty out there. And I thought for him, for Huggy to be showing that was a good sign. And, you know, we talked about it, some of the receivers and everything, but they're littler guys, you know, Stevie Mitchell, sure. uh, you know, quick shift gear guy who can, who has straightaway speed and can turn on a dime. You love to see him go. You love to see QT go. But I'll tell you what, Huggy looked good. And I think that part of the reason why I didn't make it before, you know, they were so loaded on the D-line for a while. I mean, they just had hot and cold running bodies going through. Mm -hmm. And then you looked at the, you know, the the front line was Watt, DJ, Reader, and whoever else you want to put there, you're going to be pretty good. Well, now you're replacing DJ Reader. You know, JJ's not practicing much yet, but we expect them to be out there. So it gives some opportunities. You heard the Sean Pendergast promo, Charles who getting some good snaps as well uh, in year two. Look, they got They've got some options up there. Uh, You know, I'm curious to get your feelings on how it might all shake out because is it going to be about the best possible players or body type? Are you going to – do you want a 330-pound guy on there? You know, there aren't too many to choose from. Like, Big Z is one of them. But what do you think there on the D-line as you're you're moving forward toward cut-down day? Well, what's interesting about it, Mark, is it's – you know, there was that one year – was it one year crawl? Yeah, it was 2016 when we had Vince and DJ, and that was uh, 2016. And you weren't gonna run the ball on us at all. You could not. It took four guys to even budge those two behemoths, and that just left our linebackers, you know, Cush and B Mac, just running the ball all day long. I mean, they they didn't have anybody blocking them because you were just you were so girthy. Is that the right word? You you girth all over the place. Um, even when you didn't have De- J.J. on the field in 2016, uh, which you did, and you only had him for the first three games, but because you had those two monsters in the middle, you just you just clogged everything up, and everything sort of got funneled out to the linebackers, and you could run. So uh, you were in pretty good shape. And, of course, you had Clowney uh, in 2016 that could clean up a lot of different things, and you could move him around and do some different things as well with him. But because you had size in the middle, that just I think it changed the approach this year, I don't know that you have that size. I mean, the biggest guy you really have of any just girth. I mean, you mentioned Big Z. You know, we'll see what Big Z is able to do, um, who came out of West Georgia, uh, Kennesaw State, and then West Georgia. He's He's got a little ways to go. But, man, I, I like the athleticism he has. I mean, he looks he's more than just a big dude. But the biggest guy you have is Angelo Blackson. I mean, even Dunny. We talked about that a little bit this, a little bit this morning. Even Dunny's not a true nose tackle size. I mean, if you no. think about the the true nose tackle, I mean, you think about the Ted Washingtons, the Sam Adams, the Vince Wilforks, and, and Grease. DJ. What about yeah. Grease? Grease Pickett. I mean, yep. you you don't have you don't have that. You've got Dunny and you've got a- a- Angelo Blackson. In all honesty, Mark, we're sort of built like a four three team now, and I I, I don't. And I don't want to pigeonhole us into being, you know, hey, we're going to be a 4-3 team. John says we're going to be a 4-3 team. Look, they want to play plenty of, of odd fronts, even fronts. They want to mix it up and be multiple. And they're, and they're going to. And, and right. Donnie does a good job over the nose because he understands leverage and hand placement. And he's got experience doing it. But we're really kind of built like a 4-3 a team, if you, if you think about it. 
you know, Omen who's like a three technique. So is Ross Blacklock. Uh, Dunny is kind of like a shade nose. I mean, Angelo Blackson can play the shade nose. I, I just wouldn't be surprised over time, given what we have up front, if we kind of move more in that direction. And we play a lot of nickel anyways. And when we're in nickel, we're in a four-man front as it is. So I just we don't have that girth we have. But I think what we have up front, more so than maybe any other year, is the athleticism and length between Blacklock and Omenahu. Mike, just those two alone. Then you throw in Albert Huggins, who is a pretty darn good athlete himself, and he's pretty agile on his toes. You've got, I think, more athleticism up front than maybe you've ever had. So it becomes kind of interesting what Anthony Weaver is going to want to do with that front and how he's going to use it. I'd imagine they're going to want to move and stem and do some different things up front, slant, and kind of be on the move, especially when you have a Menahu, Blacklock, and some of those guys in that have that quickness and you can take advantage of that. So I'm curious to see how that all comes together. But I'm more encouraged about it because of days like today when you do see Albert Huggins doing some good things. Uh, you see Charles Amenu having a really, really good practice. Uh, and you know that when J.J. does get into practice, he's going to do uh, what J.J. does. And hopefully he stays healthy. He can change the game on every level. Uh, what about the goal line? Because these are hold-your-breath plays for the coaches. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking at the coaches thinking they, they get fired up for this. I mean, they're all football guys. They love this. Who doesn't love that, right? Yeah. At the same time, it's your guys against your guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's your children against your children. <laughs> and you, you want to make a play. It's almost I feel like they stack it sometimes, but they really don't. Uh, I, I was encouraged that the defense did as well as it did today because I always say this, and I put this in Vandermeer's view, if your offense is shredding the defense this time of year, yeah. you've got defensive problems, my friend. You are going to have problems stopping the opponent. If your offense is just carving them up at will, forget about it. Now, it's not happening. What's happening is sometimes Watson has his way, and it's Watson mm-hmm. time. Uh, other times, and I think you heard me ask this question of Tim Kelly. I haven't played this interview yet, but – about how do you balance wanting your quarterbacks to be precise and just execute everything perfectly Mm -hmm. and and hone that versus, hey, try some stuff now because if you're going to make a mistake, this is the time to do it. It doesn't count, so try to force it in that window. And you heard his answer, which was "Eh, a little bit of both, right? Watson's going to be Watson, and this time of year, it's almost like he knows, listen, if I don't get it in the end zone here and we don't win this drill – you know, he wants to win it, but he's going to take some chances that he might not normally take just so he knows what he can get away with possibly in a game scenario, right? Yeah, I think he is definitely learning that. Uh, he continues to learn that. I remember when we went to uh, L.A. in 2018 for our preseason game with Los Angeles, and he tried at one point, he got out of the rush, and he tried to throw one deep, and it ended up getting picked off. And I can't remember who he was trying to go to down the field, but, he, but Deshaun ended up getting picked off. And I remember the three of us kind of talking about it during a break, and I remember Dre saying, yeah, I mean, I, I don't love it, you know, the fact that he threw an interception. But then again, as this is a preseason game. He's trying things out. He's trying to find what it is that he can, he can do. And I don't want to use the word to get away with, but the things that he might be able to do in a game and the things he might not want to. And it's a good teaching lesson. I think practice is definitely that way. But he's been through the fire. He knows um, – he knows what it is that he wants. I, I've seen him during this camp try. I, I, there's some subtle things I see him doing in this camp, Deshaun, that it makes me think, okay, he's trying. He, there are a few different things I know that he's worked on 
that he's trying to incorporate here. Some of it's with arm slot. Some of it's with his lower body mechanics. I can see that he's trying to do a few different things because it's practice. And, you, you, you know, obviously, in three weeks, you want to be ready to go. But he's trying some things, and, and why not? The practice, the practice time is the time to try it. So, yeah, I definitely think there is a good balance of that. And because Deshaun is so competitive, he wants to win every drill. I mean, when they worked on the, the situation drill the other day and he wasn't able to get the spike down before the clock hit zero, I mean, he was frustrated. I mean, he was really frustrated. And Deshaun didn't get frustrated a lot, but you could tell he was mad because he was competitive. And I, and I love seeing that during all these drills. But um, I think it's been a pretty, good, a pretty good run. And I think in practice, why not? You know, why not try some different things? especially when you've been doing it for a few years like he has. And I'm sure J.J. does that too. J.J. will try something in practice. Um, and J.J.'s, J.J.'s better about doing that in a game almost sometimes than even practice because he'll do a move in a game and you're like, wait a second, where did that come from? I remember in 2015 when we played the Jags, J.J. doesn't use a spin move much, but he used an inside spin move to get his last sack of the day on Bortles. And I remember I said to you guys, I was like, he used to spin move. Like, I've never seen him do that. Like, sometimes he just reacts during a game. So, you know, there's going to be some things you work on in practice and you just get in the game and you just kind of do what comes natural. And I think Deshaun will do some of that. But working on it in practice, I think, is a really good thing. Um, and just kind of, hey, I'm, I'm, coach, I'm trying something here. I'm working on something. And I'm sure the coaches, obviously, were trying to get him to do it, of course. Johnny, uh, you know what I always say about special teams practice, right? It's like yes. the classic rock band saying we were – playing something from our new album and it's time to go to the bathroom but today i was watching deandre carter catch the football i know that wasn't a good moment in the playoff game so we don't need anybody to point that out right here and eye roll me however when you look at what he brings to the equation here as a punt returner and look kickoff returns are whatever they are right but as a punt returner third in the league in average per return last year right and when you're watching these guys especially during practice so i did stay and i watched it Mm-hmm. The way he catches the football, it's like, you know, it's there. Yeah. It's hard for some of these other guys to beat him out because, look, and I know about the playoff game, but he is reliable. By and large, he's reliable and he's productive. Yeah. That 9.7 yard per return average, all right, you're not Devin Hester, but Who you're is? reliable, and over time, those yeah. yards are Big yards. They contribute to scores and wins for your football team. He's going to be a hard guy to knock off. He might not be the greatest receiver ever, but he's kind of reliable there too. You know, in a pinch, you play him. He's good. I know they got a lot of talent trying to make this football team, but if you're going to make it, you're going to have to beat him out at that spot. Never mind beating him out as a receiver. You better be Randy Moss if you're going to knock DeAndre Carter off this football team as a receiver because his special team's value is so high, right? I, yes, and I want to make sure that I say this say this uh, um, in the right in the right way. But when I was a kid, I remember my mom got me. I had I had a blanket I took with me everywhere, and this thing had holes in it, and it was it, I just took it everywhere as a kid. I mean, I just that was the blanket I wanted. My mom gets me this nice new brand spanking new blanket she's like oh it's got the fleece this and all i'm like okay and so i tried it once i'm just like i don't know if i like this i went back to my old blanket even though the new one was like 600 thread count and it was this nice fleece feeling 
I was more comfortable with my old blanket. In some sense, I think about DeAndre Carter that way. He gives me comfort back there. Like, I'm with you. I was watching all those punts, and I was watching him catch punts. And I, and I caught punts in, in college, and I played, you know, baseball. And baseball, playing the outfield in particular, is a lot like catching punts. I mean, how you have to assess where the ball is. Obviously, the ball's bigger. I get all that. and You don't have a glove in your hands. But the way you track the ball, the way you get behind the ball, the way that you make sure you're getting behind the ball such that you can catch it and then make a move, there's an mm-hmm. art to that. It's not just all scientific, well, you get this step and then you move over here. No, th- there's an art to it. And you watch DeAndre Carter do it, and you just get this comfortable feeling like that old blanket, like he's going to catch this ball. I know that. And you think about that at some point, you go, well, yeah, punt returners catch the ball, don't they? Uh, not all of them. And then right. the one that gets, you know, remember Tyreek Hill last year? Hey, just oh, throw yeah. Tyreek back there. He'll be fine. He's done this before. He'll be fine. And what do he do? He took it off the shoulder oh, shoulder pads and gave us a cheap six uh, because he hadn't been back there all year. And you're like, oh, man. No, we were all scared. But Tyreek hadn't run any punts back in 2019, and it came back to cost him. Um, so I look at DeAndre Carter, and I kind of think about him like my, my favorite blanket. I know what I'm getting from DeAndre Carter. And, yeah, there might be some people that aren't all that excited about it, but you give me 10 yards per punt return, and I know he's going to do good things. Here's the, the other thing, and you mentioned it, Mark. You hit right on it. As a receiver, I don't know that there is another receiver in that receiver room that is going to know every single spot, every single route for every single player that has to go run a route more than DeAndre Carter. Mm. We've seen him have to go into games – and I think about the two key December games the last two years, in 2018 against the Jets and 2019 against the Bucks. He made two massive plays in those games. The one against the Jets, like a little, a little snag, a little hitch route, a little option route that he caught and then went for 50 yards. That led to, uh, I think, our go-ahead touchdown. And then against the Buccaneers in 2019, he has that deep over route. He beats the linebacker. 40-yard catch that set up the go-ahead field goal, and which ended up being the game-winning field goal. When you have a guy that, A, catches everything, and to your point, understand, look, he got popped on a kickoff and fumbled. He, he didn't drop the kickoff. He didn't drop the punt. There have been moments, and everybody's going to drop one here or there. Just unfortunate happened there. But for the most part, I can trust DeAndre Carter's going to catch it. He's going to catch yep. it in a crowd. He's going to make a good decision about when to go get and catch the football, when to make a fair catch, when to deke the cover team to maybe get a ball that goes in the end zone. And also, I'm going to get reliable receiver if I have to go to him. Yeah, That's the kind of guy I've got to have on my squad at some point. I've got yeah. to. And he works at it. You know, He puts the yep. time in. If you're him, if you're somebody like him in this league, aren't you trying to figure out a way to catch – 50 balls a day in the offseason. I mean, just keep – it's kind of like John Weeks does 300 snaps a day or whatever yes. his training is because, hey, this is what I do, and if I don't do this well, I'm not around. So I'm <laughs> going to do this really well so yeah. nobody can beat me because no one else is going to put the time in for 300 snaps a day. He's got his friend. We did a feature on it once uh, when the Texans programs were still on Fox Sports and that Patty Smith and Gray Moore went out and shot John Weeks working out with his buddy. And I believe he still does it. He works out with a friend of his, and he does 300 snaps a day. And I tell my kid this, by the way, who's 14 and he wants to make the freshman basketball team. 
I said, you know what? you got to shoot 100 to 200 shots a day. Just do it. Like, Dad, the, the hoop in the driveway isn't quite the same. I mean, it's definitely not the same as a gym. Who cares? It's a goal. Shoot. You're going to get the rhythm down. Ten Little 10, 12-footers, bang, 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 bang. You hit those all day long, believe me, it's going to translate. These are the things people do, and I think it's inspirational for whatever you do in life. You're trying to be good or great at something, you got to go. When I was a teenager, all I did was play guitar four hours a day. It suffered in the, you know, I suffered in the classroom because of it. Yes. yes. <laughs> but that's what I did. And so these guys are doing those kinds of things to make sure that their craft is tight, their game is good. And uh, that's what Carter is doing. So he's just one of those players, you know, and that's the kind of guy they're looking for on this football team. Another thing that uh, Anthony Weaver said today, by the way, that I found interesting was he he automatically went to special teams with his defense, right? Mm -hmm. That the special teamers have to hunt. And he said that's really a defensive mindset, you know, to go get the guy, to go Mm -hmm. get the ball carrier. He said it's not so much an offensive mindset. And I was thinking about that, Johnny, and I was thinking about Matthew Slater of the Patriots, who's an offensive player, but he's a great special teamer. But, you know, some offensive guys can have that. There's no doubt they clearly do have that. But I really think that is interesting because a lot of offensive guys probably don't have that. (laughs) They're not not headhunters, for lack of a better way of putting it, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of times I know teams want to use like, hey, let's use our fastest guy as the gunner, which sometimes is a receiver. And a lot of times that doesn't work because especially, you know, on a punt team, because they, they don't understand angles. They don't understand how to break down and make a tackle in space. And to Anthony's point about hunting, you know, hunting is, isn't just about going point A to point B and just taking a beeline and going there. Hunting is making sure that you are attacking under control so that when you get there, you make the kill or make the tackle. And that's what defensive players have got to be able to do. The thing I like about these special teams, Mark, I, Keon Crossan has more energy than I've ever seen in my life. You could, hey, hey Keon, we're going to run 100 plays, and it's all punt, and you have to be the gunner for every play. And he would be like, where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? That guy's got more energy than anybody I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. So you, his energy is contagious. Then you got A.J. Moore, who takes such pride in special teams. And I, I think that pride in special teams can end up leading to him getting some time at safety because he does some good things when he's on the field at safety. Then you've got Michael Thomas, the vet, who I watched sprint from one end of the field to the other to get ready for a punt out of the end zone for punt team. And he was on that punt team and he was making sure that everybody was kind of following his lead. I mean, these are guys that take such pride. Not only are they defensive players, they take such pride in the special teams, knowing how much of a factor they can be in a game. And we've seen that the last couple of years, we've seen the special teams become a major factor for this team. And the guys like Keon Crossan and Dylan Cole and AJ Moore uh, and Colin Gillespie, those guys all play a role and make a big impact, and they take pride in it. I love that. They're not just like, oh, i got to play special teams. These guys love it, and that's the first thing about hunting. You better love it, and they do. Uh, they absolutely do, and they need to. There's no question. Um, Johnny, this question was thrown at me. Uh, what is Watson's greatest game? Watson's great, not statistically, 
but what's his greatest game? And maybe not the most, the, the highest magnitude win, but the most impressive to you. I want to know your answer for that. Plus, who's better? We're going to play it. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. Don't miss an episode of our Texans podcasts. Subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher to get the latest sent right to your phone. Johnny, what is Deshaun Watson's greatest game in your opinion? Forget about the stats. Give me his best game. Maybe not the one with the most magnitude either necessarily, but what do you think? Dallas, 2018. Dallas. 19 Yeah, okay. here's, what, here's why I say that. The other one, uh, I mean, statistically, the day the – two, the two that stand out statistically where he was just otherworldly were 2018 Miami on that Thursday night and last year against Atlanta. But I say, I say Dallas in 2018. Mark, I uh, uh, would have been done our uh, six years now. Last year was the sixth season, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, this will be the seventh season. So in six seasons of being down on the sidelines, I had not seen a game anywhere close to as physical as that Dallas game was. Every single body on the field that night just got absolutely tortured. And Deshaun took shot after shot after shot after shot. Now, we know what happened, uh, obviously, afterwards. But before he ends up having to go be checked out at the hospital because of the, the pounding that he took, he makes that iconic play happen. Hop spins, obviously. DeAndre makes the spin and the spin. But Deshaun has to make that throw. And it's not an easy throw to make. But right. he had made throws like that all night. He had made big plays all night. And I just felt like he took such a beating and yet kept making plays and ended up making the one play at the very end that we needed to make. And obviously he combined with DeAndre on it, but he doesn't make that throw. If his throw is just a hair off, DeAndre can't catch and run. If it's too if it's too uh if it's too shallow or if he doesn't put enough enough air on it and it's flat, it might be picked off. Um, it's, you know, if he throws it too hard, it's incomplete. There's so many ways that play could not have, may not have happened. And he made it happen after that pounding and his numbers, I think were pretty good that night. He did throw an interception, but that was because he was hit and the ball fluttered out of the air. But other than that, his numbers were outstanding that night. He took a pounding and kept coming and then had to go to the hospital afterwards. And he created one of the most iconic plays in the franchise history. So I would say Dallas 2018. Um, I think Buffalo. And I know they were terrible for a, for much of the night. Which Buffalo? The playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because, you know, when I look at that game, they were going no place. You know, we were debating, do we replay that game on television? And we thought, well, can we start midway through the third quarter on the replay? Because <laughs> it was so bad early on. And Buffalo, to their credit, is a pretty good football team, right? Oh, yeah. This is a good, good football team. But – we all know what we were thinking at halftime, that, oh, my gosh, we have another Colts here. Mm-hmm. Indy visited wild card round and knocked us off, and that was it. Buffalo's visiting wild card round, and they're about to do the same thing. And what has happened to the Houston Texans, right? Yep. But Watson – and Watt made the big sack play. That was 
there was no question. And that forced a field goal. And then 16 nothing down, Watson goes to work. And it was really magical. I mean, he yeah. took people with him into the end zone. Uh, and, again, it's not about the numbers. It's not like he threw five touchdown passes that night. But he single-handedly, it seemed, scored a touchdown on that one play, taking people with him, got yep. the two-point conversion. Then they got a field goal. Then they get another touchdown. And then he makes the play that is one of the top two in the history of the franchise with the escape from the sack and hitting Taiwan Jones, who gets it into chip shot field goal range. I just think that that game with what's on the line, I mean, lives change perhaps if you don't make those plays. Right. And he made those plays. Yep. So uh, it's he's had so many, Ooh. and unfortunately, maybe the best performances are losses. Philly, yeah. New Orleans, New England, Seattle, Seattle, Kansas City the first year. Those five games, oh, yeah. uh, if they get a little help on D, a little more help on D, those could all be wins, or at least you can go three and two, four and one or something, and that would be really cool. But you didn't, so whatever. You live with it. You have Deshaun Watson on this football team, and you have to love it. Okay, yeah. I just thought oh, I'd mention that. Well, that's, a t- that's a tough one, man. I thought it's about it all one. during the break. And yep. Dallas is the one that came up just because of the magnitude of that game and it, what he no, was able to do. it was a great game. Yeah. It was a great game. That was like if it was soccer, if it was soccer, right, that would be like a cup. You know, that's the Governor's Cup. That's yeah, yeah, a yeah, special yeah. game. It's a, yeah. it's a midseason bowl game. You have it every four years. And it's special. And you yeah. should play it every year, darn it, but you don't. Okay, let's play who's better. Uh, this is straight teams. Who's better? Okay? Who's better in 2020? And this is a three-way. The Patriots, the Browns, or the Raiders? Johnny, who's better? <sighs> Tough. Patriots with all the all the uh, opt-outs. Yep. Maybe the, camp the starts. Patriots, Patriots defense has been decimated. From the from those opt outs, it. I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher. I, I listen. They're not devoid of talent. Belichick will find a way to do some things. McDaniel's will find something on offense. They'll be they'll be okay. I'm curious to see how the quarterback situation plays out. Everybody's getting equal reps right now. I my surprise team. My, you hit on the two surprise teams that I think all along are the Browns and the Raiders this year. And I don't even know if the Raiders will be a surprise. I think the Browns might be for some people because they're like, well, you. everybody said last year they were supposed to be so good, and they weren't very good. Look, there's a new coach. There's a new GM. There's a new power structure. It feels as though there's been no spotlight on the Browns. Yep, They're just doing their work. Baker Mayfield had his comeuppance last year. He had to go through that. He, he finally got punched in the mouth in his, in his uh, career. And so now it's like, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? He's got a great running game. They added Jack Conklin on the offensive line. They added Jedrick Wills on the offensive line. The thing about it is I don't know that Cleveland is exceptional defensively. That's the thing. They got Miles Garrett, but they may have lost Mac Wilson today, their starting linebacker, and they're already thin at linebacker, and I don't think their secondary is exceptional. Um, they've got a bunch of young guys back there. They're going to be good in a couple of years. Uh, they drafted Grant Delpit. They have Greedy Williams at one corner opposite Denzel Ward. They they signed Carl Joseph, who kind of ran out of favor in Oakland slash Las Vegas. But I would still say the Browns because I think the Browns are going to outscore teams. I think the Raiders' record is going to be is going to be lesser than the Browns because the Raiders are in AFC West. But I think the Raiders can end up being pretty good. I think they're both on the precipice because they still have some young talent that needs a year of seasoning and when it comes around I think the Browns and Raiders are going to be really good football teams but it comes back to for the Raiders what does Derek Carr do 
end for the Browns. Does Baker Mayfield bounce back? We know Baker Mayfield can do it. He did as a rookie, but is he going to bounce back? So what do you get in Cleveland? So I'm going to say the Browns because I do think Baker will bounce back, and I think overall Cleveland's more complete, especially offensively, than the Raiders. Okay, who's better as we continue with this segment, the Ravens or the Chiefs? Who's better, Johnny? Number one seeded Ravens last year. They melted down in the playoffs, losing to the Titans. The Chiefs didn't exactly look great all the time in their playoff games. They were trailing in each one of them, but won each one of them. Who's better? And now it's brand new year. Who's better, Ravens or the Chiefs? Boy, I think the Chiefs. Okay. And I by say the way, the Chiefs, by the, let me throw these at you. Total offense from last year, and I know oh, every year is different. Oh, Ravens number one, Chiefs number five, fifth rated offense. Now Matt Moore played some of the year, so there's that. I think but I the just Ravens. I'd that the Ravens and Chiefs both have big losses on the offensive line. One one loss each, but I think that the loss is bigger for the Ravens. But I think the Chiefs they've been together a little bit longer, running that offense for a little bit longer together. I just think the Chiefs defense. Is it's a little better than people give it credit for, but it's all coming back. The Ravens up front are going to have Clayus Campbell and Derek Wolf. Now they both have got some age. If one of those guys gets banged up, the the Ravens front gets really young in a hurry, and then they're starting more than likely two rookies at linebacker. So I think that teams can have some success against the Ravens running the football especially trying to wear down guys like Clayus Campbell and Derek Wolf. And Wolf's coming off an injury. Clayus is like 80 years old. And I think the Ravens' defense will start showing some cracks in the armor. Unfortunately, it won't be in week two. I think it's going to be later. But I think the Chiefs' defense started to kind of show some things at the end of last year, like, hey, man, they might have this thing going a little bit. I don't think either defense is tremendous. I think the Ravens' secondary is. But I don't think anything else on the Ravens is tremendous up front or at linebacker. So I do think that the Chiefs have a little bit of a leg up. And with the Ravens, was it a one-year thing, that offense? Are people going to be able to see what the Titans did and emulate it and stop it a little bit better? Is Lamar going to continue to get frustrated like he did in the playoff game? I think that's a big if. We've seen Pat have to deal with that. Lost the AFC Championship game, came back, won the Super Bowl. He dealt with adversity and showed how to do it. And I think once you win a championship, Mark, I don't know. I don't want to say it takes the pressure off, but I think guys in that team can then look at one another and go, "Hey, yeah, hey, we've done this before. We've been here before. We know how to right. do this." Whereas the Ravens have won a playoff game since Lamar's taken over as starter. There's going to be a ton of pressure on the Ravens this year, and I think sometimes that's going to that can play a role for a team during a season. So I'm going to go the Chiefs. Okay, well. I look at rushing offense sometimes because I just think it's such an important statistic. And the Texans, Colts, and Titans were all in the top nine, okay? The Ravens were number one, obviously, Lamar Jackson having a huge yes. role in that. But you look at the top four rushing teams all went to the playoffs. Let's see, five of the first six, and then you go to the Colts, seventh, Bills, and Texans both went to the postseason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big stat, and the Chiefs, are not up there in rushing statistics, okay? Now Damian Williams opts out. What's the name of the rookie running back they have? Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Yeah, don't, don't do this to me. 
Okay, what? I don't. I don't need to see him. I don't need to see him do well. This is no. I don't. Good. I don't either. He's better than Damian Williams. That's the thing. He's better than Damian Williams. I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Oh no. I, I mean, it's. I, I hate it. That, yeah. I mean, when they drafted him, I'm like, oh my. I mean, you. I mean, we were doing the draft that night. You heard Dre. Both Dre and I were like, oh man, here we go. Yeah. Dre will join us on Thursday. By the way, he's, he's going to be out of practice, so that'll be oh, cool. Nice. All right, so when we come back, I've got one more for you in the who's better category, and we'll go around the league. A certain quarterback returned to practice today, so uh, that was too bad. I mean, it was good for him. It's Texans Radio. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. It's Battle Red Radio. Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Here's more of Texans All Access. Plenty more. Okay, we're running out of show, though. So even though we have plenty more, we're running out of plenty. Okay, it's going to quickly dwindle. So let's get to it. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, one leftover. Who's better? Who's better, Johnny? Pittsburgh or Tennessee or the Colts? Whoever you have finishing second in the AFC South. I don't know if you're going to have anybody finishing ahead of the Texans in the AFC South. I think it's actually, and we can get into this later, and we will. I think it's actually pretty close, but I'll give the Texans the nod. Quarterback mm-hmm. to me is, you know, obviously yeah. a pretty big deal in this league, and I think they, no question, have the best one, and I'm going to pick yes. them to win it. So whoever you have second in the AFC South, just to be presumptuous. Pittsburgh versus the second team in the AFC South. I would say I would say Pittsburgh. I would say Pittsburgh. I I you know I don't I don't love the Titans. I think the Titans defense is gonna be not so great this year. I do think the Colts defense might be a bunch of no names and DeForest Buckner uh and Darius Leonard, but I think the Colts defense will be sound for the most part. I don't I don't know that I love the Colts secondary, but I think Phil Rivers will provide some stability for them. I think Ryan Tannehill gives the Titans the confidence that they can run it back, which I love. I just don't know that any unit is as good as the Pittsburgh defense. That Pittsburgh defense, oh, my God. When you look at – when I did when I did my Know Your Foe article and I went through each you know, each guy on, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Stephon Tewitt comes back. Cam Hayward was phenomenal last year. T.J. Watt could have been the defensive player of the year. Oh, by the way, Bud Dupree is still there. Then linebackers, Devin Bush is phenomenal going into his second year. The secondary, they made a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, and now he's just one of the top three safeties in the league, one of the top three playmakers in the league. And, oh, by the way, they got a lockdown corner of Joe Hayden who still got game. Holy smokes. That defense is going to be good. But I just don't know what Ben's got left in the tank. I don't know how good that offense can be. The offensive line really kind of – just showed some deterioration last year, but I'm still going to say Pittsburgh because I think that defense is better than any unit of any any team in the AFC South, not named the Texans, of course. And I just don't know that I trust the Titans and Colts to really kind of um, be better than the Steelers. So I'm going to go Steelers. Wow. So you're guaranteeing victory in week three. That's what you're telling me. Jeez, uh, you're no, scaring I, the daylights I, out of I, me. I, I did not say that. I did not oh my guarantee gosh. I did not guarantee victory in week three. You're that, worse than McLean uh, right now, okay? You're like the grim reaper of No, uh, I said Pittsburgh was going to be better than those two teams. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, so. No, I know. I know. Well, that's good for those two teams Man. when they play them. But, uh, you know, we got to go up there week three. Okay. Oh 
Let's. Definitely I just. Talk. I'm just giving you a hard time. Let's uh, go around the league a little bit here. What about Ryan Tannehill returning to practice? That's too bad. No, that's good for him. He's a good guy. We actually like him, but not as a Titans quarterback. Yeah, he's going to be. He'll be okay. You know, somebody. I can't remember Mark. If it was you and I talking about that, kind of looked at Ryan Tannehill like Alex Smith. I think there's there are some similarities. I mean, we were talking about Ryan Tannehill or uh, Alex Smith in comparison to somebody. Maybe you and I were talking about that last night. I think, and we're looking at well, you know, this guy's career really didn't take off. We're not talking about Mitchell Trubisky. That's what it was. And I think that Alex Smith and Ryan Tannehill are probably maybe even closer in comparison. I think Tannehill has just avoided the big injury other than the one I think that knocked him out one year in Miami. But, you know, you can still see the athleticism, and he made some good throws against us. Him being back just gives that offense confidence that, hey, we can do we can do what we need to do. Tannehill knows the system. We'll expand it a little bit this year, now in his second year. They're still going to rely on Derrick Henry, and I think that's going to end up being what – ends up being the Achilles heel because they're going to want to try and give Henry another 350 touches and no back has ever come off a 400 touch season and turned around, had a better year with just as many or a little under the carries or touches he had the year before. There's no way. So there's got to be regression to the mean for him. And that puts more pressure on Tannehill. And I think that's when he ends up having the struggles. So if they can stay balanced, then Tannehill, I think ends up being a really a really uh, staunch weapon for them. But if not, nah, then I think it's going to be tough. Texans playing the Bears this year, of course. And we've been talking about them a little bit. I think we discussed them this morning a little bit. But they have been switching quarterbacks the first couple of days of this week with Foles getting a day and Trubisky getting a day with the first team. And Matt Nagy, I don't blame him for not saying anything definitive and for having a competition because why not push both guys? I know there's not a whole lot of time to get ready for the season, but – it does you no good to name Trubisky right now or Foles, I think. I like this. Keep it going. Keep the competition coming. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're not totally sure what you're going to do. You know what I mean? If you yeah. don't know exactly what you want to do. Now, maybe down deep, Matt Nagy knows he wants it to be Mitchell Trubisky, and that's the way that uh, he definitely is is leaning. But I texted you before the show. I happen to watch the Hard Knocks uh, episode, our Har- our Hard Knocks episodes from 2015. Mm-hmm. And I I just remember Lee Schreiber saying it's three weeks from the opener and the Texans don't know yet who the quarterback is, starting quarterback oh, is going to be. Yeah. Remember that? And I was like, man, can you imagine? Because we're about three weeks out right now. Yeah. Right? You That's know, incredible. We're three weeks out. Can you imagine if we didn't know who the starting quarterback was going to be right now? And we're still going, this, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Was this after Mallet overslept? No, this was right before. Right before. Yeah, because right before. Did it. We, it we was, knew what was going to happen at that point. Yeah, when he did it, we were like, uh, you know. But I, if I remember correctly, it was after the 49ers, or, I'm sorry, after the Broncos, the second game of the, against the Broncos. That weekend, he named Hoyer the starter, and then one of those days, that, that, that week, oh, was he was after late. After he was named. Yes, yeah. that's right. He yeah. withered. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Ryan, mm-hmm. terrible. Okay. Well. Thanks so much, Johnny. It was a great day, as always. This morning was wonderful. Tomorrow morning's going to be great. 8 a.m., we'll have Anthony Weaver. We've got some special things brewing tomorrow. Uh, we'll have David Johnson on the show as well. Plenty of things to discuss as it's another day of training camp for your Houston Texans. Thank you, Joanna, for producing. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.